Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, April 17th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Julie Musbeck. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. Okay, so things are pretty slow today, actually. We've only got a couple of stories of a whole lot of interest, but we might as well try and get through it all. Don't you think we should bring Sean Hannity into uh, a Broadway show? I have no idea what's going on with him. I've been avoiding the news. I just, I don't <laughs> want to know. I just know he's trending on Twitter. He is. He is trending on Twitter. He is uh, one of Donald Trump's lawyers' other clients. So, oh. Yeah. I, I thought he worked for him. Yeah. Well, Fox News does work for him, or he works for Fox News. We're not really sure which is which. <laughs> All well. right. So as if art doesn't imitate life, or life imitating art, which is it? Uh, the Cost of Living. Martina Mayock's play wins a 2018 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Yes. So yesterday, Martina Mayock's Cost of Living was announced as the official winner of the 2018 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Cost of Living ran last spring at MTC. It is described as an achingly human and surprisingly funny play about the forces that bring people together, the realities of facing the world with physical disabilities, and how deeply we all need each other. Truck driver Eddie is struggling to rebuild a relationship with his estranged wife Annie, and Jess is trying to navigate the day-to-day with John, her new boss, in a job that she desperately needs. People are hard. The Pulitzer Board also named the two finalists, which are Everybody by Brandon Jacobs Jenkins and The Minutes by Tracy Letts. That's not, not everybody was a finalist. (laughs) (laughs) It's also worth noting that this is the fourth time a woman has won the Pulitzer for drama since 2010. Past winners include Lynn Nottage in 2017 for Sweat, Annie Baker in 2014 for The Flick, and Kiara Alegria Hudis in 2012 for Water by the Spoonful. The Interval actually made an interesting point on Twitter that of these four, only one was actually produced on Broadway, whereas in that time frame, four out of the five works by men won for shows that were either on Broadway or would go on to Broadway. So that's something I thought was pretty interesting to mention. (laughs) Also, uh, Jan Simpson, who uh, has a Broadway radio show Spotlight, she uh, talked with um, Martina Mayock, uh, what's it, in uh, mid February or so about her play Queens. So we'll link to that in the show notes as well. This is uh this is huge. So I, I don't disagree with the interval and Matt and I talk about this all the time. It it it's time that uh Broadway wakes up to the talent of women and uh let's get them produced. Speaking of women and talent Broadway's uh, To Kill a Mockingbird might be scrapped in a legal flap. Yeah, so Reuters has caught the story that the upcoming adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird written by Aaron Sorkin is deep in a court case with the estate of the late Harper Lee, where claims have been made that the play deviates too much from the original intentions of the novel. But this is apparently now posing a legitimate threat to the play's Broadway plans. Apparently, court documents have stated that the case has rendered it impossible for the play to premiere as scheduled in December 2018, and unless this dispute is resolved in the immediate future, the play will be canceled. Rudin is currently countersuing the estate's representative, Tanya Carter, for not having raised objections to the script until six months after it was submitted to the literary agent in August of 2017. But things are looking a little iffy. Yeah. Scott Rudin flexing his muscle there, threatening to cancel a production. Um, 
ah, who knows what's going to happen here. It's unclear, though, whether he's going to cancel it or whether it just won't happen. I think he's claiming that he's not going to have enough time to raise the funds to put it together. Or Scott Rudin, not have enough time to raise funds. <laughs> just let's think about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I, <laughs> I mean, Scott Rudin... I, you know, I don't know of anybody who could raise money faster than Scott Rudin, maybe Jordan Roth, but, you know, even at that, he's going to, to kill a mockingbird if he capitalizes it at the outset of eight to $10 million, that's going to be two or three days worth of meetings and phone calls for him to raise that money. <sighs> money, 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 money. Hey, look, this week's Broadway Grosses. <laughs> what a segue. So with the glut of spring breakers back in school, things took a bit of a dive on Broadway last week with the total box office receipts dropping nearly $5 million from the previous seven days. Only six shows saw week-over-week increases, and four of these were aided by moving up in the number of performances, and a fifth was Mean Girls that had its first week of shows post-opening. Nonetheless, Hamilton was still leading all main stem grosses with $3,139,668, excuse me. It was followed by Springsteen and Lion King, both above $2 million, then Darren Hansen, Frozen, Wicked, Harry Potter, Aladdin, Mean Girls, Come From Away, The Book of Mormon, Carousel, Phantom, and Hello, Dolly, all above $1 million. In its first week of eight performances, Summer, the Donna Summer Musical, inched up to gross $894,417. The biggest drop of the week came over at the Gershwin, where Wicked fell more than $646,000. Frozen also declined over $523,000. Harry Potter and Phantom more than 437,000 and many of the other tourist friendly shows saw substantial six-figure dips as well. But the decline of almost $145,000, Children of a Lesser God becomes the lowest show on Broadway in terms of percent of gross potential at 23.2%. St. Joan was still slightly lower in terms of total grosses last week at just 225,000, but it's still pretty tough on Broadway right now for straight plays. The five lowest grossing shows are all plays. Then there's Once on This Island, which dropped to below 464000 So Glinda's, Glinda's bubble popped over there at Wicked. $646,000 for a drop in Wicked. That's really surprising. I guess they, they do depend upon the spring break uh, ticket buyers. Yeah, nothing like the weekend or the you know vacationers to pop that show up. It's, I, I don't know, do people who live here see it very often? It's not one of those ones you could just drop by. Um, I, you know, I don't really, I would, I, I'm not really sure. I, I guess it is a big tourist draw. I don't know if there's, certainly there is those diehard fans that show up for show after show, but I don't think it's uh, this in the same level of like, uh, you know, the rent fans were that were local rent fans that uh, went to show after show up to see rent. I don't know. Yeah, I've I mean, it's one of those shows that I would see a hundred times. But every time I look it up, it's like the cheapest ticket is ninety nine dollars. And it's just that's hard when you're just sort of hanging out in the city and you want to go see something. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do we have in the recommendation section? Okay, so these were suggested by Matt, and I'll just go with them, even though, <laughs> I mean, they're okay, okay. So 
First, we've got Saturday Night Live parodies Les Miserables, and I, I don't know what this writer has against seafood in diners, but it's a whole campaign against ordering seafood to the point where there is a Jean Valjean lobster. It's, I mean, th- I think the funniest part is watching everybody try to keep a straight face, which they don't all do very well, but it's, it's interesting. <laughs> All right, and then we have a another uh, visit for t- the Today Show with uh, Summer, the Donna Summer musical. Yes, so this gives you kind of a preview of the show. I, it's a little unclear exactly what the format is. Still, I don't know a whole lot about it. I haven't watched a lot of the previews, so I may be completely out of it. But you know, we do get to see the cast members. We get to see Lashans do you know, what she does best. And that's pretty fun. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this show. Love to see. And uh, before we wrap up, we have some uh, things in the other news category. Yeah. So first of all, we have Jay Armstrong Johnson joining Phantom of the Opera. The Opera House will soon welcome that familiar face that we all love, I'm sure. He will join the cast in the role of Raoul. He takes over on April 30th. Then we've also got the cast announced for Off-Broadway's Smokey Joe's Cafe, which will feature Dwayne Cooper, Emma Daggerstedt, John Edwards, Dion D. Figgins, Nicole Vanessa, Kyle Taylor, Jelani Remy, Max Singerman, and Alicia Umfris. This show runs May 16th through June 9th at Ogunquit Playhouse, though I will note that there are some discrepancies in their dates between their releases and their opening night dates and their website. So I would keep an eye on that. I'm sure the run is correctly stated. That's what's on their website. I double checked, but you never know. And then finally we have off Broadway's afterglow, which had to adjust its schedule around RuPaul's drag race. So they have allegedly found the culprit guilty of causing an empty house on Thursday nights, and it is none other than the hit reality series RuPaul's Drag Race. So the show will now go dark on Thursdays and play Tuesdays and said, so no one will have to sashay away from their televisions. That is a brilliant, brilliant marketing press release idea. Absolutely. And it's, God, how hilarious that they put that together. Of course, it makes perfect sense, but it's it's hysterical. (laughs) That is awesome. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter at Julie Musback. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us. I think Matt and I will be back tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.